Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends, all except one. One friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we all are, 20 some odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John, Teach Landis, and maybe a special guest or two, and we're going to make our friend, Michael Poli watch one episode of Buffy a week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. Uh, welcome to Buffy Virgin, a spoiler-free Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. Uh, we're going to be talking about Bad Bree and Season 5, Episode 3, The Replacement. I'm your host, uh, Dennis St. John, and we have with us a special guest, David Yoder. That's me. Thanks for having me on. Uh, you're welcome. And uh, why don't the rest of you introduce yourself uh, from largest to smallest breakfast today. My name is Michael. I'm the Virgin. I've only watched Buffy up to Season 5, Episode 3, and I had coffee for breakfast. That's not the largest. <laughs> My name's Travis. Um, I had uh, three eggs and an apple for breakfast. Good breakfast. My name's John. I, uh, this morning I had tea and I also had beans on toast because I'm in England. So yeah, we are going to be watching, uh, talking about the replacement. Uh, but before that, and speaking of England, we're going to do reactions to um, the angel recap. <laughs> Audience reactions. Uh, and starting with uh, Geraint Thatcher, who said, uh, for the record, no, those Watcher accents are bloody awful. <laughs> SAGOV9 um, pointed out we had an audio problem. So, uh, hey, guys, as you know, I love your pod. I like your podcast. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> like we'll turn to love soon enough, SAGOV9. <laughs> Uh, one point of criticism, however, the music over the summary is quite loud. Uh, it's very distracting, and I can barely hear what's being said. That being said, I'm looking forward to season five. It's my favorite. Yeah, we're in season five. Um, so, yeah, we are addressing the audio as best we can. Uh, thanks for pointing it out. Um, Anon, Anon Moose says, onwards to season five, season two, my favorite seasons. Uh, you, go, you guys are going to have to a hard time uh, trying to keep in the spoilers. Yeah. I believe that's a non-mouse, not a non-moose, but that's... Uh... You're right. Listen, mornings are not my best. I'm sorry. That's all right. He hasn't had a full breakfast, from what I can tell. <laughs> I had uh, an orange and yogurt. Uh, the season five recap, uh, Maya uh, Kobabe says, uh, listening to Michael's stream of consciousness list of season five predictions was wild in this recap episode. Which, wildly yeah, accurate or wildly inaccurate? Only time will tell. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, all right. Uh, so those are our reactions for this week. Uh, so let's do the summary. The summary. They used to call me Xander Harris, Mr. Quiet and easy to embarrass, dumb but safe to take them to your parents. What's your favorite candy? I hope it's a Twix. Cause I'm about to put two Xanders in the mix. We used to have one body and that was kind of cool until a glowing robot demon proved he was a giant tool. Bless me, my brain wanna do banana splits. Now he's like Roald Dahl's Matilda. I'm like Roald Dahl's the twits. Rule number one, when you got an evil twin, you can't trust me and you can't trust him. If the light bulb's half lit, is it bright or dim? It's the question of the day. Seems like I've got the bads and he's got the goods. So should I try to be the bagger Vance to his Tiger Woods? He's the kind of guy that never forgets to bring the lotion. And in all the commotion, that dick got me a promotion. Technically, I'm not an evil twin. I'm more like inbred mirrorkin. Whatever I am, you're still you, but you're definitely experiencing deja vu. Toth defeated, evil retreated, but I'm still unsettled with the knowledge that I'll never win. Now that I know I'm the lesser twin. <laughs> my mind has exploded thank you michael all right let's do some great lines great lines uh mike you want to start yeah so i really love this uh wild line um 
it's a conversation between Zanya and Zanya, Anya and Xander, uh, the double, of course. If someone could play uh, Xander, that'd be great. So Anya says, so what happens next? Well, at some point, we take our clothes off. I mean, what's next in our lives? When do we get a car? A car? And a boat. No, wait, I don't mean a boat. I mean a puppy or a child. I have a list somewhere. <laughs> what are you talking about? Just we have to get going. I don't have time to let these things just happen. I love that. I love Anya's list. It's clearly inspired by the game of life she played while babysitting. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, it was a big life-changing game for her. It really was. I uh, strongly identified with uh, the Xander line in this episode. Uh, there comes a point where you either have to move on or buy yourself a Klingon costume and go with it. <laughs> Which I would like to say in real life are not mutually exclusive. You can, yes. uh, you can do both. I thought it was interesting, like, yeah, to think of now that it's, like, cosplaying is, like, a really big deal. And, like, if you have an awesome Klingon costume, you're probably, like, raking in some nice money, like, or something. So, Or you're poorly investing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Right. You can't. I mean, hobby investments, right? That's its own kind of special class of investments. I, I shouldn't be so judgmental. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, poorly. It's a robot. It's an evil robot constructed from evil parts that look like me designed to do evil. <laughs> or it's tough. Or it's tough. Oh, man. I, I'm, I'm actually on the Riley train this episode, so I don't know what's going on with my life right now. <laughs> Multiple things, but I'm on the Riley train. And I love it when he says, they're at the dump, the city dump, and he says, people say they're recycling. They aren't. <laughs> <laughs> that line was the best thing out of the whole episode i think the best line of the episode i was i was watching this and uh my partner harriet heard that bit and she's like riley never has a good line <laughs> <laughs> i like that xander gives him a reassuring pat on his giant shoulders at that point <laughs> it's it's crazy it's like this episode like the writers woke up and gave riley some good material it's insane well they know he's on the way out i mean based on how this episode ends gotta get it all in all right, lots of uh, confused faces. Like, no one knows what's going to happen. Interesting. I mean, who can tell what will happen in this crazy show? Uh, my lines that I picked out were uh, Xander saying, wait till you have an evil twin. Then we'll see how you handle it. Willow says, I handled it fine. <laughs> that was, uh, I love the shout out to like... <laughs> yeah, she's already experienced an evil twin. I like that, uh, you know, one of the symptoms of being shit Xander is that uh, you don't remember things like that from your own life. It's all about the Snoopy dance. It is all about the Snoopy dance. <laughs> we'll get to that later. Uh, right now, let's do the kill count. The kill count. I counted one hot plate meets its demise and one demon. Off-screen hot plate. <laughs> <laughs> off-screen, but off-described. Uh, let's move on to Weird Noticings and Trivia. Weird Noticings. Does anyone recognize the movie that they're watching at the beginning? So apparently this is Duel of the Iron Fist from 1971, uh, you know, Hong Kong Kung Fu movie. Uh, I did not just know that though. I learned, I cheated. I learned that from the Buffy fan wiki. Uh, thank you, John. Is that Look. cheating? Looking it up? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. What are the rules of having a podcast? Are you allowed to just read the wiki? Because I feel like you're, if you're, you're certainly allowed to do research, read, read the wiki. <laughs> I was wondering how you figured that out. <laughs> No, I just know all kung fu movies. I just know all the kung fu movies. I'm I'm real low key about my kung fu fandom. Well, like yeah, that's the thing is like kung fu movies are like a weird like they're not an area of expertise for me. Like I enjoy them, but it's definitely like not one of my like movie knowledge bases. So I had no idea. Do you guys catch Xander's poster? That's just a bunch of animal butts. It's a uh, totally his answer to the balls poster in uh, Riley's place. Xander has a poster that's like to the side, like at a funny wonky angle. Like I unclear what motivates that. Like, why wouldn't you want the poster to be straight so you can Oh fuck up Xander hung that one? <laughs> Maybe it's a load bearing poster. <laughs> 
Yeah, as he gets more into construction, I assume he'll be able to uh, use a level to put up his posters in the future. <laughs> as he gets into it, has Xander found a career? Is that what you're insinuating? I um, don't know. <laughs> so uh, this is just an excerpt from Poli's apartment guide. Don't uh, invite all your friends with you when you're looking at an apartment. It's confusing to the person that is showing the apartment because probably <laughs> people occupancy and it's you're implying that all these people will be living there with you when you show an apartment also weirdly uh don't bring someone more attractive than you because that's <laughs> you assume is going to be renting the apartment or like they have their shit together uh anyway that was that's like a, such a bizarre sequence to have everyone in just hanging out checking out space seeing what it'd be like to have a hideout there uh <laughs> clearly xander is so like is so struggling with life that he would bring everyone with him uh, or it's like just they got nothing to do and it's Saturday but anyway I do want to point out like it's weird because these characters look like adults and they're talking like they're adults but they're only like 19 in this episode and I think even like Trash Xander has his shit together fairly well for <laughs> like a 19 year old right I, I was definitely was... not looking at nice apartments like that at 19 I know, right? I That's what I was, I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. Like, yeah. so I was showing apartments. <laughs> <laughs> That's different. Oh yeah. So if you were showing an apartment and like, you know, six people showed up, you'd be like, "This guy is not getting this." <laughs> no, it was a trigger. For, it was a trigger for me to see that. Like, uh, not renting to this person. This person says that for one person, not. <laughs> I know better. I thought it was rude that everyone like was like totally eyeballing the paper that had the like first and last month rent and like deposit like total on it. It's like back off dudes. It's not. <laughs> Buffy clearly still lives with her mom in this episode. You know, I don't know where they're, why they're giving trash Sanders such a hard time. So it's a fully furnished apartment with patio and like a ceiling fan. No wonder it's so expensive. Like I mentioned about them <laughs> looking at the total. Yeah. <laughs> ceiling fan adds a lot. Uh, I do like yeah, that ceiling fan stuff is weird. Uh, well, they talk yeah. about it, they don't show it, right? And, like, but the, why the whole weird it? like ceiling fan equals slavery discussion is really strange. <laughs> so weird. Uh, I just thought Willow being excited about the microwave is like very on point for a college student. Like, like thinking of a microwave as a big deal is like odd. Better than uh, a hot plate. Yeah. Oh, totally better than a urinated on hot plate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we meet the demon Toth, uh, and I said he could either be named after the e Egyptian god or the cartoonist Alex Toth. Um, Who designed, like, space ghosts and stuff. I didn't think the demon was, like, looked much like a Toth drawing, though. Did you, Dennis? No, not really. It, it was a cool-looking demon, though. He has a cape, I guess. That's about the closest <laughs> Well, how about the fact that everybody keeps being like, it's the demon that wears a robe. And no one once says, it's the demon that's glowing with his teeth. <laughs> like, the, like, if you're trying to describe a demon to differentiate it from other, you don't say the one in the robe. Yeah, I thought he looked, that was a neat look. You know, he's ready for a rave or a party with his glow-in-the-dark teeth. <laughs> and the, mo the makeup seemed to change throughout the episode. Um, I guess he gets more like glowy he, his skin crackles more and he started to see his like cheekbones so i don't know what's going on with that if it was like supposed to be showing that the spell was taking like a toll but it was kind of neat to notice radiation coming out from the inside of him uh, michael is shaking his head <laughs> no trying to make this demon sound like it was so many intentions behind it no there is <laughs> obviously if you're redoing the makeup throughout the episode there's a plan right <laughs> okay okay we're just talking about the look i don't think the demon itself like has like much yeah behind it uh well i thought that uh spike's buffy mannequin just like wow <laughs> there because you get to see both the creation phase where he's out like shopping for parts and you think that he's shopping for stuff for his place and then he, there's like a mannequin part and you're like oh that's weird but you know whatever and then later it's like he's literally assembling a buffy mannequin <laughs> in order to maybe retrain his brain to be able to hurt her and like but it's done for some comic effect as well. Cause it's like, I don't know what he's doing with the mannequin. Like it's obviously my first thought is like, this is a sexual fetishistic thing that he's doing. Yeah. Like, Oh no, this is his violence mannequin. Like, I think it's, it's both. It could be multiple. 
but wow that is just uh such a wonderful weird surprise um that like paid off and like just as a visual gag was fantastic it's also like like spike doesn't have he's not connected to the main plot this episode this is kind of his only scene is like collecting the mannequin and then being horny violent with it (laughs) (laughs) uh so when we meet suave xander um he is way too dressed up for the construction site way more than everybody else I thought about that. Like he's going to sweat right through that like nice button up shirt that he has that he's wearing with no undershirt, like out on the construction <laughs> side. I mean, I know they say to dress for the job you want, but also like dress responsibly for the job you're at. <laughs> <laughs> and the construction wa- worker who whacks trash Xander in the head uh, has Sedaris on his nameplate. So I was like, oh, is it Amy and David Sedaris's sibling who works construction? Maybe. Definitely. Yeah. And? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, uh, you know, it's a popular construction humorist that's working that site. Um, so, Giles dry wall, has... Dry humor. <laughs> uh, Giles is already having a lot of trouble. Here's little Giles for you to see. Uh, uh, at his uh, magic shop before it's even open with that demon that he has to beat over the head with the fertility god statue. Just thought that was interesting. Did he make a joke about not about almost getting knocked out, or did yeah. he actually get knocked out? I was gonna, say, I couldn't remember if he's like almost got knocked out for this. Yeah, she's like a completely. What is it? Uh, a mythical victory over a completely indifferent foe. He's like, well, I didn't get killed or knocked unconscious, so I say bravo for me. He <laughs> still looked like he got hit in the head. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. It wasn't good. I like uh, Anya's home pajama look. I think she's like really enjoying her like home time. Yeah, she's more dressed up to go to bed than I am to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> I like so, how we call out the fact that Anya has an apartment. Yeah, have <laughs> we seen that location before? I and, don't like, think so. And Not a really. gun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and a gun. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe it's so in the a separate life of Sunnydale. I don't know. Yeah, what is she doing with her apartment and gun? How is she financing her apartment and gun? I actually have a theory her demon about her savings. financing. You've got a theory? I've got a theory. Okay. Because uh, she came into town to try to um, be a wish genie for Cordelia. So she had to be at the same social status as Cordelia at that time. Okay. So before she lost all her wish powers, she set herself up with money. And uh, she's just been living off that money. Like it's, a, it's not a renewing pot but like she's still spending the money that was the setup at the beginning. I'll buy that. Um, did you notice that uh, on the desk at the uh, construction foreman's office and next to Anya's phone, they both have Rubik's cubes? I did not. I don't know what the meaning of that is. I feel like it's uh, some kind of subtle thing. Um, <laughs> it's definitely a puzzle. Uh, left in the episode. <laughs> Another puzzle left in the episode is that when uh, Xander is all like wet and muddy and he comes to Willow's place, she makes him sit on newspapers. She doesn't mess up his bed. Uh, or so he doesn't mess up her bed rather. And uh, if you uh, freeze frame it, it's the Sunnydale Times. And one of them has a uh, headline that reads, um, Professor Found Murdered. So there's a whole other mystery not being solved wow. right now. They are not investigating that. There should be a separate set of people solving crimes in Sunnydale who are also like a mix of like demon and human and like <laughs> magic users. Hell yeah. Or, or heaven. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> which brings me to my point of, uh, you can get, in, you can get into heaven with your comic book collection. Right. Cause like, I, I just want to know her <laughs> friend. Um, cause like that's when Xander's like the lowest on himself talking about how he hasn't really done much with his life and talking about being at the pearly gates and like, yeah. <laughs> I don't have any answer for you, Yoder. Well, bury, bury me with my comic books, I guess. <laughs> All fit in your coffin? That's not a large collection. Uh, just the ones I haven't read yet. So aside from her comment about getting a puppy, I believe Anya is just following the life game board, like board game rules as far as, or goals for her guide currently. I thought that she was just going to be after cash since that's where we left that conversation. But it turns out she is like, 
she's into the whole life thing and then this like shortcut of things that she needs to do um anyway i'm gonna make more predictions about that later oh so uh the wand that the demon uses is called a ferula gemini um that splits sander in two and i was just wondering if that meant anything or they just made it up i know gemini is like zodiac sign for twin or whatever um and i looked up uh ferula and the thing that comes up is the papal ferula which is like the pope's magic staff um, oh okay so it's like i'm sure any practicing catholic will be upset that i called it the pope's magic staff uh so it's the it's twin funny. stick yeah. it's the, the, yeah. the ferula gemini it's like twin like stick. your magic stick of power of, of twins yeah all right did, did the demon have to dunk it in the cauldron to act to like juice it up i don't understand why that the, the stick dunked in the cauldron i don't know yeah it's just you, do you remember that, right? Like he has yeah. this cauldron. It looks like he's going to burn his hands and stuff. Who uses a cauldron anymore? <laughs> yeah. You know, there's a lot going on with Toth that we just don't see. We come he's like super undeveloped. Uh, so I think it means something positive about Anya and Xander's relationship that she thinks Suave Xander is the real one. I just, you know, uh, at the time it's like there to build tension, but I was like, you know, she sees the good in him. I think that's nice. And we've already talked about this, but yeah, Anya owns a gun. That's pretty crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's so crazy on so many levels. I mean, she knows how dangerous Sunnydale is. Yeah. Uh, I like the trash sander called the bullets little gun pieces. <laughs> yes. Very <laughs> good. Oh. And uh, back to more apartment talk, I guess. Uh, Xander is definitely not getting his cleaning deposit back. The uh, Toth demon broke that door, uh, like zapped the carpet, and then like there's Toth blood all over the floorboards there at the end. So, <laughs> and it's probably that radioactive green stuff that like just like keeps glowing in the dark. <laughs> I wonder if he could steal a door from his construction site. Oh, that's a good idea. Like, it's oh. so crazy they like destroy that apartment that he just signed the papers with. Yeah, but that's for comedy, guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And where's the neighbor that was like, hey, what's going on out there? Like when all that shit's going on, you know? Like, <laughs> so there's like a mild <laughs> amount of stuff going on. <laughs> like people are talking in the hallway and she's like, what's going on out there? <laughs> there's like a gang brawl and it's like, nope, I'm fine. She was at work at that time. <laughs> I'm a little bit disappointed that they set up this opportunity for Anya to have a threesome and then they don't let her have it. Like <laughs> I, I'm, I'm kind of mad at the Scoobies because they're so like buttoned up about things that they wouldn't let her have this threesome that the, you know, two Xanders seem okay about. And like, why are they like, Nope, sorry. This thing is over now. Uh, you're about <laughs> to do something fun. Uh, nope. Like they dealt with the demon and like they have a clear path for how to like unite the Xander, you know, things. And it's like, okay, guys. Yeah. So in the future, if Michael Poli ever has an opportunity to have sex with himself, he's saying he doesn't want us to interfere. So hell no, <laughs> no. Let me whatever that weirdness is. Don't fucking shut that down because you're so prudy. It's yeah. judgmental. I, I agree. I was going to write a similar point, uh, but Mike beat me to it, and I'm really happy that somebody else beat me to say the weird sex stuff. Uh, my main yeah don't yuck her yum come on <laughs> yeah. yes that's well that could be on a bumper st sticker don't that's... yuck my yum yeah my I... my thing oh sorry my thing i thought like maybe if they did have the threesome maybe that would have ended the spell on its own like just as a natural like way of resolving itself i don't know they would, they would come together to what into one oh, God. <laughs> well that's super gross visual it is interesting, Michael, though, that you're pro Xander double having a threesome, but you were very anti the twin sex threesome thing back in. Uh, yeah, that, I thought that too. Yeah, I had the same. Listen, it's totally not a double standard. Circumstances. <laughs> like so, having sex with your, is, your your somebody who's biologically the same as you is is only okay if it actually is you. They are magical twins. They are not okay. The Xander twins are magical twins. The twins in the Jonathan, the Superstar episode are biological twins. Sure. And so they are actually related. Now, the Xander twins, it's not just, actual, not just related. They are the same person. And so I, I think it's, like, fundamentally different. Anya recognizes this is, like, a unique opportunity to, like, 
to do it. Like I, for me, this is not a trigger. This is like a weird magical thing that would never happen in any other circumstance. And so it's totally okay. Yeah. But like, I get this that isn't something you can extrapolate into a real life thing. This is like, <laughs> also you're truly learning about yourself. Like they literally, you know, they check each other out. They look the same. They have the same stuff going on. Like it's, it's a weird opportunity to see yourself in an external way that you would never get otherwise. I don't know. This is a, such a win situation. I'm mad that the Scooby gang's like, hmm, I, I wish it's done. <laughs> yeah, what a bunch of prudes. Come on. I wish we had seen the scene of them uh, comparing physical attributes in the car if it was just fingerprints or not. I don't know. Well, I don't need to see that scene. <laughs> yeah, <you do. laughs> yeah. Let's get out the rulers. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so when Riley like is like, uh, does anyone else want to experiment on them? That's like the very first time he's ever sounded like a psych TA. <laughs> and like, like is is his bad government? I mean, that's like the evil government like DNA in him, like rise bubbling up and rising to the surface. And be like, oh yeah, this guy was part of this really bad government conspiracy. Yeah, I thought that was a good line from him. So yeah, yeah I guess great. I'm on the Riley train this episode also. Uh, oh, I'm so on the Riley train this episode. Uh, speaking of this episode, no terror this episode. Just pointing it out. Uh, yeah. She's yeah, not no credit either. So. Right. Oh, yeah. Don gets a very a brief scene. Yeah, the hallway scene. Oh. Yeah. Oh, and I said it was, it, was, it was good in a way when Riley like, is calmly like, Buffy doesn't, Buffy doesn't love me. Like, it's, a great, it's a great scene because I think we've all been in those relationships where like, you're way more invested than the other person. And it's like, when that realization happens, it, it's, it's pretty life altering. I thought that yeah. was a gut punch. Um, sorry. Just the way that he's, he's, he says it so matter of factly, like it's just a plain fact is yeah, that's very emotionally yeah. upsetting. So it's, it, it's nice he uh, has like trust in Xander. It feels like Xander and Riley are becoming friends. That he could say this to him. I like it because Riley and Buffy are the most out, like outwardly affectionate the whole episode. And it's totally like just trying to overcome the fact that like one of them likes the other one more. And it just reminds me of those shirts people get where it's like, I'm with her and I'm with him, you know, like those couple clothing shirts, because it's like only people that are super insecure about the relationship need to wear a shirt that says I'm in a relationship with somebody. <laughs> and like Riley's overacting about like he's with Buffy is totally like, ah, this is real, right? And like having him state that was just like, that was awesome. I'm glad Travis, you pointed that one out. That was such a rad scene to end on. Yeah. And yeah. the, the rough scene in the car too, of uh, when he's like, I, I love everything about you, Buffy. And then like, she's like, well, anyway, we have to go save Xander. Like she doesn't like <laughs> respond to that at all, which I thought that was almost more of a big ouch. Yeah, and that scene in the car is crazy because she's like, "You're not driving fast enough," and he's like, "I'm going 70 miles per hour in a residential area." <laughs> so illegal and so dangerous, like, <laughs> and it's like it's definitely like Buffy is a different level. Like, <laughs> her version of like hurry is is way different. But yeah. All right, uh, you guys ready to move on to questions for the group? Indeed. Questions for the group. Hey, so why does Toth want to kill Buffy? What does he have against her besides the fact she's the Slayer and that might be enough? Like, I didn't have the motivation for Toth, except that uh, it was a fun cut to do for, like, who has cauldrons anyway to someone actively cauldroning? Like, thoughts? Uh, he's an evil demon made from evil parts. Yeah. Uh, designed to do evil. I think that's enough. I, I, yeah, I don't think there's any thought. I obviously, obviously Toth is just the barest excuse to get us to the two Xander thing that this is actually about. Right. Like, like the Star Trek episode that's referenced at the end. Like we don't really <laughs> care about the transporter accident leads to two Kirks. We just care about the idea of two Kirks and how we deal with that. Yeah, good answer, John. He's a sophisticated demon, right? That's what Giles says or something at one point, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. 
What does that mean? What is a sophisticated demon? Uh, it means you go to a magic shop and you beat up the uh, Buffy's friend, and then uh, you show up in an apartment that you had no idea had anything to do with anything later on. <laughs> like, and you have a magic stick that blasts people into two different versions of themselves. I mean, his goal is to split Buffy into two parts and then kill the weak one. I mean, which is a rad weird goal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, which really relies on not being killed, like, immediately. I'm going to create a super powerful Buffy and then a weak one, and I'll kill the weak one. <laughs> <laughs> It's like when you when the only plan you have is a bad plan, and you're like, "Well, we'll go with the plan, <laughs> the bad plan, not the only plan." It did make me think of uh, the Rick and Morty episode where, like, they go to a spa and they cleanse themselves of all their negative attributes, and it's like what they foresee is each of their negative attributes. But then, through the course of the episode, they realize, like, oh, we need like our negative aspects as well as our positive attributes, like, to be who we are. Um, which I don't know to me it's just like maybe the slightly more interesting version of this episode would have been if somehow Buffy was like if there was a potion or something that Buffy found in the magic shop that could split her into two selves and she did it to herself because she wanted to give Riley you know the non-slayer version of herself and she wanted to have just like the slayer thing be a separate aspect to her life that's a great idea I like that a lot if only Sarah Michelle Geller had a real-life twin, that could have been the plot instead of what we got. Oh, yeah. We didn't even mention yeah, yeah. it. Did... <laughs> Wait, that's a real twin? Yeah. Oh, uh, you didn't know. Nicholas, no, Nicholas Brendan has a real-life twin, and he's the double. So there's no split screen. It's all like... His twin plays life. like the clean, uh, button-down version of him. What? That's no. crazy. It's, it's, I, what the... Nicholas Brendan the plays way? them both in 99% of shots. Oh. And it's only when they're both in the same shot. And you can, if you pause the shots where you can see them both, it's super obvious that's not the same person because they're identical twins, but they don't look that much alike. Like 99% of it's Nicholas Brendan. Right. Um, they're, they're, they're identical enough. I mean, this is where like form follows function, right? Or this episode exists because only one of the cast members has an identical twin. <laughs> yes. But a lot of the shots still like just read as like split screen trickery, like that. Like it like it looks like something from like another TV show where you would just do it by having. Yeah, but as I mean, as we've seen in Doppelgangland with Evil Willow, like the split screen, they didn't have the like budget for like a really super tight split screen. So, how crazy that my brain is so trained to like just ignore that shit when they do twin stuff that like I can't even notice when it's a real twin because I'm like. I don't even have to know. Just off <laughs> button, please. Like, that's awesome. And what what interesting problem, the twins curse. Like, if you have a twin, you will be in a twin thing. <laughs> Period. I'm surprised yeah. they didn't use this sooner. I feel like no writer can resist this shit. <laughs> like, Nick Brendan probably didn't bring it up until, like, the end of season four. He was like, uh, by the way, guys. <laughs> I'm sure somebody, like, saw his brother pick him up in the parking lot and was yeah. like, what the... This probably went from like idea to script in like three days. His <laughs> twin pick him up. He's like, oh shit. We're leaving, we're leaving the twin episode on the floor right now. We got to get it going. And how fucked up to be the twin, right? Like, uh, I'm the lesser brother. Let me play my brother's twin. Yeah, I guess he actually does stunt double work at some point on Buffy for Nicholas Brendan, which is kind of fucked up. Like, yeah. like this is too dangerous I'm, for the real I'm, Nicholas Brendan to do a version of Brendan that can get beat up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like the cushy job should have been that he's his stand-in at all times, like for whenever they do the lighting and things. That would have been smart. But also humiliating. Okay, so I said double dates are usually bad. I don't know. There's like just a weird, it's like a weird double date in Xander's like basement. I think double dates in a basement are going to be the most problematic type of double date that exists. Let's be honest. I'm sure double dates when you're out somewhere that's nice and fancy are really nice. Double date in your parents' basement watching a Kung Fu movie, not a good idea, according to Travis. <laughs> May not turn yes. out how you want. Uh, uh, yeah. Sometimes I like double dates. It's been a really long time since I've been on one. Yoder and I went on a double date one time. I have no memory of that. Uh, Scott Pilgrim <laughs> was the movie. 
We'll have to talk about Scott this later. Pilgrim. I really Scott don't. Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> David Yoder is really amnesiacing hard on this. Do you have a twin, David, that went on a double? Is there a comic book we can reference uh, for the Scott Pilgrim episode? Uh, no, but I do have Baby Driver directed by Edgar Wright on the wall behind me. So if you can see it among all the, the drawings. No. It's, it's no. there. I see it's just a totally normal wall of drawings. Just beautiful not a serial killer's wall. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the I think the double date thing is fine in some circumstances. I went on a double date last night, but that's like double date. These are just adult friends that we hung out with, my wife and I and another married couple. So this is like, we're just hanging out doing a couple thing. Now, the 19-year-old hanging out with another you know couple thing, that's different in a basement. You're constantly looking for places that you can hook up or like to be discreet. And that requires everyone to be like cool about a certain amount of gross touching happening at the same time. Uh, also mid twenties, it gets a little weird also. So like, I think it's okay double dating in your thirties, maybe forties, you know, anytime like thirties above, but this like twenties neb, you know, zone in high school is like double dating is weird because uh, one person's going to be more sexually aggressive. <laughs> like there's one sexually aggressive guy or girl in this situation and it makes things weird. <laughs> And everyone yes. has to acknowledge it or talk about it later. And then it gives you shit to talk about later, I guess. So that's great. Because you can be like, hey, uh, he was really gross, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think like what that. it comes down to is that like dating in your teens and 20s is awful. And double dating <laughs> is just dating with an audience, right? Like, <laughs> Yes, beautiful. Dating right. is gross. The book. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I feel like that can be a pamphlet. That, that can be like a post-it note. <laughs> I, it should be at least like a one bolded line item in the dating in your teens that says like double dating is gross. And then it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> don't do it. No, you have to. You have to do it. It's just how things go. The girls do it to protect themselves from you. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so I'll stop. Uh, so Xander is split between the confident and unconfident versions of himself. If you got zapped by the Toth demon, what do you split into? What's like the, oh, this is his thing. It'd be like, just like Xander. Mine would be exactly like Xander. It would be the confident and not confident versions. It would be the like, the one who like wakes up in, in a trash pile and the one who like looks good and gets a promotion at work. That would be exactly the situation. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I think I would define mine as like productive and unproductive and yes. like productive me draws and writes and pays bills and like does a minimal amount of workout and cleaning the house and then like unproductive me like just watches TV until the internet is shut off and like <laughs> just like drinks beer, drink beer, drinks beers and watches TV until like three in the morning. That's like doesn't make anything. Those are my two me's. I was thinking close to that, that mine would be like creative versus like menial tasks me. Like, so like one version of me would go to work and the other version would be like, yeah, I'm going to draw comics today. But then what would actually happen is I would just watch TV shows and like drink beer in the middle of the day or something. And like, yeah. And then the other version would like come home and be like, what the fuck? And like kill me or something. <laughs> <laughs> so you would kill your, yeah. If you, if you, if you split it two, you would kill yourself pretty quickly. I couldn't stand living with myself, even though I... You should make a comic about that, Yoder, where you, you have to take care of old you. I think I may have just given away the ending of that comic that I never <laughs> will probably finish. <laughs> if Yoder kills himself, he'll die. Yeah. Uh, productive awesome. Yoder will finish it. Let him deal with it. <laughs> okay, thanks, Michael. Travis, do you have a split? Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I'm the same as John. I think. I think for me, it's just the confident. I think that was the big difference. It's like the confidence man, non-confidence man. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah, anxiety man and non-anxiety man. The guy that's cool, that's got his shit together, and then the anxious man that's like just writing the same sentence over and over again in a notebook. Okay, next one here. Uh, so <laughs> Buffy is really critical of martial arts movies, which I love uh, in the in the opening. What movies are you most critical of that you like can't watch without saying like, oh, but that eh, uh, thing is wrong about it? Uh, I wanted to point out, I forgot to <laughs> mention this in Weird Nurses of Trivia. She's like, oh, you take care of the big guy first. She did the exact opposite of what she said she would do in the last episode. <laughs> on, on last. She's not even taking her own advice. Um, 
I think one thing that I get worked up about is in a movie when somebody uses like a dip pen and I see them just like be all scratchy with it. And I'm like, that's not how you use a dip pen. Like, like if it's a quill in an old movie or something, like I get real worked up about that. That's a, that's a, when people are using art tools wrong. Uh Oh, like maybe the new Van Gogh movie. (laughs) I didn't see it, but yeah. It's uh, It's a trigger movie for you. You might want to avoid it. If I see somebody painting who obviously doesn't know how to paint and then it cuts to like a beautiful portrait, I'm like, how the fuck did you do that with those brush strokes, you dumb dumb? I got to do this on the uh, uh, movie, versus that movie versus expert podcast. Um, Mike, who was on the uh, last episode, uh, hosts that podcast. And uh, I got to watch Kindergarten Cop as a teacher. And Kindergarten oh. Cop is actually not the kind of movie that triggers me, but it's um, stuff like um dead poet society or um like to serve with love or stand and deliver movies that imply that teachers can make a difference in people's lives like those <laughs> get me upset because it's like you know it's actually really hard to like make a difference to anybody and uh you don't just like magically like say the right thing to somebody and all of a sudden they're a different person it doesn't work that way i think you need to i think you're just uninspired by uh these movies you need to watch dead poet society again and bring Oof. up your teacher game <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to whisper more in the kids' ears, you know. To <laughs> we we are at an opportunity now where John and Travis could both trash on different Robin Williams movies if he picks Patch Adams. Oh, <laughs> no, I, I think for me, the thing that triggers me is like when people are in movies or TV, they fly in like a plane. That's totally not the right kind of plane and the interior to the plane is not right at all. And it's not like hard. Like I feel like I'm like insane because it'd be like if someone like walked into like an, an, a Victorian mansion, it's like, look at this wonderful loft. And you're like, this isn't a loft. It's a house, it's a dwelling. But it's not what you said it was on just a moment ago. And it's like really easy to understand. Like, I mean, these are like visual shapes of objects that are different. And it's not that hard. It's not more expensive to get it right. But like, it's just so lazy when it's not. What's an example of a movie that gets the like different plain things wrong? Almost every movie. I mean, the only movies that don't are like x-men movies that have their own plane right there's no there's no like like, brand almost every movie gets it wrong i mean wait like even movies about airplanes like what was that denzel washington or oh yeah well not not that movie but but like tv shows and and it just it just drives me crazy because it's not hard or or people get uh yeah yeah sometimes the trains aren't right but that that's a lot rare that's a lot more rare but uh yeah, just I mean, because it's 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 just it looks cheap and bad, and again, it's like a shape. It's like I'm not crazy, okay? <laughs> it, it's something that looks different. Is there a plain DB that deals with this issue? What's a DB database? database. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There probably is. I guess I'll crib a little <laughs> bit from Dennis and Travis. Uh, I, I recently watched rewatched Unbreakable. And I was really annoyed about like the comic art scene where like Samuel Jackson's talking about like he put all these flourishes into the like the pencil underdrawing that then didn't get used in the final like reproduced cover of the comic. And it's like you don't like fully render a pencil like drawing for a comic and then like, you know, like, I don't know. It, it's just like that. And the drawings weren't big enough, I felt like for like what it should have been. Anyway, comic stuff like that annoys me. But I also like I can't get too worked up about it because it's like, at least they're trying to show some aspects of it. Um, and then question. On- Sorry, yeah. side question about Unbreakable. Because, yeah. uh, you know, I'm sure you were watching Unbreakable because you just watched Glass, which is- uh, I was recently- in preparation to go see Glass. Yeah. Okay, so I saw Glass, which is whatever. You know, feel how you're going to feel about it's it. It's half full. Yeah, it's, it, <laughs> it is in many ways that full. Uh, the, um, but no, but in Unbreakable, which I've always liked that movie, mm-hmm. but I've always felt like comic book people that um, a lot of the stuff they say in that movie about like, oh, notice how the villain's eyes are larger or like notice how like, you know, the, the villain always does this and the hero challenges them on these levels. Like that analysis is completely bullshit, right? 
I, I mean, I guess. I, I feel like M. Night was just saying what he wanted to say, and it got to an even worse extent in Glass, where, like, one of the things that really bugged me in that movie, I like that movie, actually, overall, but, like, he's talking about, like, how, like, this isn't an origin story, or this is, like, isn't a limited edition, it's an origin story, and I'm like, origin story is, like, a type of story. A limited edition <laughs> refers to, like, print run or, like, number of, like, <laughs> the length of the, like, story, like, a miniseries or something. Like, I was just like, what does that mean? Like, I, I was really annoyed about the limited edition yes. thing getting thrown in there because it's like, that was the name of your shop. That wasn't, like, anything, like... So, for, like... Uh, yeah, yes. I, so for like a, a, a movie or a, uh, I guess a series of movies now that has a purports to have a lot to say about comic books, they don't say much about comic books. Well, I mean, and they're also associating all comics with superhero comics. Right. Oh, yeah. Which like now superheroes are bigger on the big screen than they are in comics, right? Right. Um, but like Shyamalan's not going to like try to tackle like modern, anything modern, right? He's like. <laughs> Got to focus on his childhood. Um, anyway, yeah, I don't sorry. know. I don't have any real asso- associations with like, like superhero comics, really. So, like, I don't know. But like, I kind of ignore all that stuff. I guess. I like that there's triggers buried within triggers here. <laughs> uh, I was going to say the thing that triggers me for movies is right now anything with high school as a setting is just a fucking trigger, and I, as soon as it happens, I'm like, ah. I've been here. Can we just do something else, please? I know everybody <laughs> has so much PTSD from high school, so they have to make a high school movie. Like, we're all obligated. Like, everybody's got one in them, you know? Uh, and so they exist, and also our youth culture is obsessed with them. So, of course. That, and then when they leave the water on, like, turn <laughs> the water on. I'm like, why? Wait, uh, Michael can never watch Home Alone. No, I mean, it's, <laughs> they at least show what happens, where, like, the water gets in the basement, whatever. Like, that's their thing, the wet bandits. But, like... In real life, like, it's just like leaving the lights on. It's just like, come on. It's like something that someone told you not to do when you were a kid. And so when you see it, you're like, oh, this is one thing I know as a kid. It's like, they didn't put their seatbelts on, you know. But in Shape of Water, it worked out pretty great, I think. Didn't see it. (laughs) On the list. Uh, You gotta see it. Yeah. Saw Paddington 2 instead. Uh, Hey, Dennis. Uh... Hey. (laughs) Um... What was up with that uh, little dance that Xander did uh, to prove that he was himself? Uh, thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, uh, just a weird, uh, he does a little Snoopy dance. Um, it's actually a very well-studied Snoopy dance. Uh, I was impressed with it. I've never seen somebody do, somebody in real life do a Snoopy dance that was that good. Um, it's technically, it's more the like second day of spring dance uh, than the Christmas dance, but I'm just kidding. That's a, that's a little peanuts humor for you. <laughs> a little inside baseball. Uh, no, it's weird when stuff like that happens, like stupid references and other things. I was glad that that was in this episode, and also there's the two Star Trek references that I like thought maybe would have caused more discussion, but uh, we got a <laughs> healthy amount from it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So this was something that actually bugged me a lot in the episode. If you talk about like, like things that annoy you, like in a movie or whatever, but like at the end of the episode, they're helping Xander move out and like Riley's like packing a box for him. And it's like when you have help or have your friends help you move, you pack all your shit first. They come over and they help you move it. Right. You're not a monster that is like, hey, come over and like pack all my shit for me and then carry it out the door as well. Like, are any of you people that monster? No, that's uh, that's inexcusable. Uh, last time I moved, I had professional movers help me. So yeah, professional movers are awesome. <laughs> I think that's the way to go if you can it afford totally it. It's totally is. totally worth the money. Way way better than having your friends like oh like then you owe your friends for your life. No, you just pay them in pizza. That's all you gotta do. <laughs> yeah, I'd be on that like, point in my life. Have friends, and then you have to have like also not previously skipped out on when they moved so you don't feel like a dick for asking them like it, it is, it's a tangled mess trying to get your friends to help you to move Good i do want to thank all my friends who have helped me move in the past <laughs> uh, that is a struggle uh, yeah the big theme this episode is kind of just um becoming an adult in your own eyes and in the eyes of the world um mm-hmm. and like uh being forced to confront your own shit 
which fucking sucks. That's what that's what I pulled. Did anyone else pull stuff? Yeah. Uh kind of relates to that. I think Xander's on the path to being less of a butt monkey, as he mentioned in the uh Dracula episode, right? Yep. Although still a fair amount of butt monkey stuff in this one, I think. <laughs> yeah. Waking up in the garbage pile, that's definitely butt monkey. So showing up at your friend's house like soaking wet from standing out in the rain can you imagine how bad he smells from spending the night (laughs) in the dump and then getting rained on and they don't let him change like even at the end when they like transform him and like when he transforms together he's in the dirty (laughs) (laughs) outfit the thing I, I, I actually this was a surprisingly personal one for me because like i i feel like this is a thing where because the what's interesting to me is that when xander splits into the like capable and shitty xander that we stay with the shitty xander like we experience it through his point of view which i think is to me was really like i think that that's how the world feels to me like i feel like whenever like i fuck something up which is always um like i really like like that was me that fucked it up and I take that uh, like I, I take that on and it's you know or at least that's how I that's how it feels from inside my skin that I'm like taking it on and like that's who I am but like successes you've also like you feel alienated from and you don't know like I didn't really like when when you know he gets a promotion at his job the whole thing of like looking through the window like I feel like that's how it feels for me when things go well it's like I'm looking in through the window it's like why'd you fall for that right that he says to like his boss it's like why, why are you, why are you, why are you accepting being tricked by this person? Um, and so like, uh, it, it connected with me for like, uh, stuff that, um, stuff that's like, uh, come out for me out of, uh, doing like uh, therapy around ADHD. Right. And so like the way they encourage you to look at this stuff all the time is like, oh, you're this person, you're this like likable, nice person. And then your brain does fucked up stuff. And that's always been like a hard thing for me to swallow because I've always felt more like Xander. Where it's like, I do fucked up stuff. That's what I do, right? My, the idea that my brain is going off and doing things without me, like why wouldn't I take responsibility for the things that like this other, this other entity does? And I think there are people for whom that's the opposite. Like I do feel like I've met people for whom like when they fuck up, they are quick to blame it on something. But when they succeed, they, that's what they take in. And I just, I don't know. I really this version of Xander felt very familiar to me. I love that image of the looking in the window of the trailer, you know, of like watching yourself succeed and being shocked. (laughs) (laughs) And kind of like also like disappointed in other people for not seeing through it. Like that was the thing that really like resonated for me. Like, and he's like, when he's like, and he's telling, he's like, he sees like suave Xander with his friends. And he's like, why are you guys deceived so easily by this guy? He's not really good. Like, you should know I'm actually a fuck up. He's too clean. <laughs> He's using that coin. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, the, the, the human, the, the brain remembers negative uh, reinforcement much more uh, strongly than positive reinforcement. So you're going to, you, for the vast majority of people, they'll remember their screw ups vividly. Um, as opposed to when they succeed. So there's, there's like a built-in mechanism by, why we all feel like the pathetic Xander in this episode. That, that feels more real. That's just a brain uh, chemistry thing. That makes uh, sense. I also think it's a lot like Dennis pointed out with the, uh, how and Anya sees Xander, that it's like it's about how you perceive yourself versus like how the world or your friends like perceive you as well. I think my my own ego is obnoxiously high. I'm like, why don't I get more credit for how great I am? (laughs) Tell Dennis how good he is at the Buffy Virgin Twitter, right? Yeah, please do. (laughs) I I don't let all my negative thoughts in. I'm like, shut up. Just think about how good you are. (laughs) All right. uh, Let's move on to uh, recommendations now. recommendations i am recommending uh the movie enemy which is uh directed by dennis who did uh the new blade runner and he's doing the new dune um 
I saw this movie in theaters uh, kind of without really knowing all of like how good it was. But this movie is really good. It's Jake Gyllenhaal finds out he's like a professor of some kind. And he like finds out he sees himself on a like as playing a butler on a movie. And he finds out he has a twin in the same town who's like an actor and is like also this giant asshole. And um, it's like really a, a really strong, interesting, weird movie has a really good cast, has really strange things happening as uh like one of the best endings in a movie i've seen in like like 10 years it's like a really solid crazy ending uh so that's my really strong rec um i was also thinking about nothing but trouble because that whole movie takes place in like a garbage dump uh oh. you guys remember? <laughs> like, why are you recommending I'll, this movie i was wondering about that one yeah. <laughs> crazy dan Aykroyd chevy chase movie very gross movie but like the whole thing take like Dan Aykroyd is this like it's this weird almost parody of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes. Where, like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you haven't seen Nothing But Trouble, it is so weird. It it is exactly it like it is it's exactly this. Dan Aykroyd, fresh off of Ghostbusters, with all the money from that, gets to direct and star in a movie that he does that's a parody of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It is so fucking weird. But it's, it's about bad. New Jersey and this town that's all just a big trash dump and dan Aykroyd plays like this 115 year old who has like a penis nose that's only in one shot and he plays uh one of the baby like one of the giant babies and john candy plays like uh a cop and his own sister uh right yeah <laughs> it's a weird movie it's so weird um, and Yoda recommended something that well, as soon as you did this I was like oh, I can't believe I didn't even think of that uh, I, I picked this one but I have a couple other off the cuff ones too but uh, Superman 3 uh, mainly for the dumpster fight uh, between uh, evil Superman and Clark Kent uh, which is the good clean version of Superman I guess in that scenario yeah. um, which and like the dumpster you get both of those things um, in one movie good job yeah the other things I thought of, but I don't think are worth like actually recommending, but like the double that was directed by uh, uh, Richard Aote uh, with Jesse Eisenberg, which is based on the Dostoevsky book. Um, and then uh, Youth and Revolt with Michael Sarah, where he has like what he considers to be like the better version of himself that's ac actually an asshole. All right. Uh, those are recommendations. Uh, so let's move on. Let's uh, finish this out with predictions. Virgin Predictions. Okay, Michael, at this point, you have an overall accuracy of 62%. Your record for season five is a 75%, which is a tie for your most accurate season. Uh, you've tied, you're at the moment, you're tied with season two. So let's see if uh, we can uh, move that needle and maybe this will become your most accurate season, or maybe it will dip into second place. We'll see. Um, so back in season four, episode three, Michael, you predicted that Xander would get a real bed by the end of season five. He's just rented an apartment that we seems to be furnished and comes up with at least one bed. So I'm going to go ahead and mark that as confirmed. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> now this one is interesting. Now notice how... Toth was, you know, sort of glowing from the inside, right? Michael, I have to say, you did predict that in season four, episode 21, that there would be no more uranium-powered monsters. <laughs> now, this is a bit of a stretch, but, you know, is, do you guys think Toth is uranium-powered? He might be no. urine-powered. <laughs> He's rave-powered at best. <laughs> All He's right. glow-stick-powered. <laughs> We'll leave that. We'll leave that one be. And the end of season four, in our recap of season four, Michael, you predicted that Xander is going to find a meaningful job that he will keep for more than one episode in season five. We had a reference to Xander being a construction worker in the last episode, which means that he's had this job now for two episodes. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and confirm that one, uh, unless anyone wants to say that construction work is not meaningful. No, I'm definitely not going <laughs> to say that. Only comic oh. book is a, a, like creating the only meaningful career okay I have a michael hard hat i uh, can't really see it i have a hard hat here from construction 
Okay, Michael, that brings you up overall to a 62.5%. And then for the season? For uh, the season, it's still showing me 75, which okay. kind of tells me that maybe I've done the formulas wrong in the spreadsheet because <laughs> it didn't change. I don't know why. Are those old predictions though, those season four predictions? Uh, right, it's would, based on, oh, it's, no, that's the problem because it's based upon when you, when, when it's confirmed or denied and that's, I haven't typed it in yet. That's why. Right. So would the Xander prediction, would that have a positive impact on the season five predictions or on the season? So the it's based on when the, when, it, when it is changed. So when okay. it's confirmed or denied. Oh, so you're going to take a huge hit for season seven then, right? When everything gets resolved as being... Will he? Or will or, he or have confirmed, incredible success? Yeah. no way of knowing. Yeah, that'll be a 10% season. Looking forward to it. So at the moment, Michael, season five, get ready, guys. Your percentage accuracy is an 83.3. Wow. So you are now way ahead in season five. But it's still the beginning of season five, so we'll see. Okay, so I've got some new predictions. I don't have as many this episode. I think there was not a lot of enough stuff to extrapolate from beyond things that have already been predicted. But I believe that first, uh, Xander will attempt to become charismatic Xander. That that's like he's seen the light, and he's going to try to make that person his his person, who he becomes. I don't know if he, how he'll reference it. He'll be like, ha they don't know I'm not charismatic Xander, but he's going to try to become the good double. I don't know what he'll name that double. It'll be a joke he made in the moment of what he calls that previous self, but he's seen it. He knows he can do it. Um, I think what predictions do we already have about Riley and Buffy breaking up? I think I predicted Riley will die last season. He didn't die. Uh, what other Riley stuff is out there? Okay. Yeah, Buffy I need and Riley will hook up. You, that already happened. Uh, Riley will be killed by a vampire. Uh, Riley is going to take over the initiative. That was confirmed. Uh, Riley will die saving Buffy. Buffy, as Faith, will almost have sex with Riley. That was denied. Riley will not be strong enough to protect Buffy. That was confirmed. Riley is going to die this season. That was denied. That was season four. <laughs> so many death Riley predictions. <laughs> Angel will never be on another episode with Riley. Riley will start attending school like nothing ever happened. That one's still open, although I think we probably should have confirmed that one by now. Uh, we Riley, don't know what Riley's doing. That's true. Riley will never mention Forrest again. That's a call. <laughs> <laughs> and Riley and Buffy will break up in season five. Okay. I got that one, one you've actually one. managed to predict uh, twice. Right, because I just I'm about to predict, including that. the one, yeah, including this one, yeah. Okay, then I need to. That's what I thought. I'm like, I've, I've this behavior pattern of like Riley and Buffy need to end has kept going. Um, the wrinkle I want to add to it is Riley will break up with Buffy. Oh, is that in lieu of Riley uh, and Buffy will break up this season? No, no, they're still going to break up, but Riley will initiate the breakup. I see. Adding more details, getting more points, maybe, maybe not. This is a far out one, but I think Xander will get hit on by the woman who showed him the apartment in a future episode. So the woman that showed Xander the apartment that was like, hey, later, she's going to show up again. It'll be a one-off gag, but we'll hit on Xander. And then my all money down, this is the big prediction for this one, is Anya is going to get a baby. And I don't know if she's going to have a baby or find a baby, but she's going to get a baby. Kidnap a baby office style? No idea. Hmm. This season or when, when? Or by the end of the series? Before she dies. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, she's, uh, she needs to get a baby. That's the next thing on her list. Or a puppy. I think a baby's the craziest thing. I think she could have, they could have an episode where they have a baby for an episode and then see how it goes. Like, for whatever reason universe splits apart they have a baby for a minute i think that's like a fun thing that they haven't played with they, or maybe joss whedon is perpetually afraid of the idea of becoming a parent so it will never happen but i think this show in tackling things that teens are concerned about there's got to be a baby episode so she's gonna get the baby okay so if she only has a baby for like one episode that counts totally yeah okay yeah. it's not like i'm a mom she's a mom forever i'm not saying she's becoming a mom either by the way i'm saying she's going to get a baby yeah, get a right. baby yeah, get a baby. 
Uh, I've been Dennis St. John. Uh, you can find me at D-E-N-I-S-C-O-M-I-X uh, on Twitter. Uh, my book, Land of Many Monsters and Many More Monster Tales and Amelia Monsters and Girls book uh, are available wherever the internet is found. Uh, and I'm working on a new comic right now. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram for some details. Uh, Yoder, how many episodes of Two Dummies and a Dumb Movie have we watched Sarah Michelle Gellar movies in? At least two. Not two, right? But only one has been released so far. Yeah, so if you want to hear Yoder and I talk about Sarah Michelle Gellar even more, you can watch our other, you can listen to our other podcast. Uh, what else are you working on? Uh, and that podcast is Two Dummies in a Dumb Movie, where we did Cruel Intentions. Um, and I'm still reviewing movies uh, in comic form at David and David at the movies.wordpress.com. Uh, Michael, uh, what are you working on? I am trying to post videos every week, every Friday, related to games and big travel and all kinds of things that interest me. So it's youtube.com slash user slash MP197400. Uh, thank you one and all for listening and talking to us uh, at Buffy Virgin. Uh, hit the subscribe and thumbs up button. Uh, you can visit our website, BuffyVirgin.com, for links to our blog, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, reach out. We'd love to hear from you. And don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, blah, blah, uh, the podcast, podcast listener of your choice. And we'll see you in hell.